Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. Welcome to the latest episode of Meet the Manufacturers. And I'm super excited this week to learn more about Assabloy and Sargent and their global operations. So I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Mosby, the general manager of Sargent Assabloy based in New Haven, Connecticut, and Mia Merrill, who is the senior product manager. Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, cool. thanks for having us on. I'm happy to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. We're going to start with you, Chris, if I may. I've got a question because I did a little bit of research. You know, we don't just throw this together. I was confused. So I want you to explain to me the history of this company is fascinating. Now, dating back to 1810, when the Sargent family entered the hardware business, take it from there, Chris. How did it evolve? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, It is fascinating. So Sargent Manufacturing started in the early 1800s. And also, then that's the manufacturing site that we have in New Haven, Connecticut. But in Berlin, Connecticut, we have the Corbin Rustwin factory and also the Yale factory. Those are actually three lock companies that also started in the 1800s. And these companies have emerged and evolved independently uh, and have been all acquired by Asa Abloy. And although our brands are very old and these companies are old, Asa Abloy was founded in 1994. So we're just 27 years young and have grown to be the largest door hardware manufacturer in the world. So it's very quite exciting. And now we have more than 50,000 employees worldwide and touch every corner of the globe. That is quite incredible. Anything to add to that, Mia? It's a really rich history. You know, Corbin Ruswin, we think of as one brand, but it actually started as two separate brands. Well, three really, Russell and Irwin merged to be Ruswin and then PNF Corbin they merged again. So, you know, it's just a long-standing establishment here in Connecticut making locks. That's really one of the core manufacturing industries that have been around for a really long time. Absolutely. And I am genuinely excited to learn a little bit more about the products that you make. We've been trying to organize this podcast for some time now. So hit me up with some of the products. I had a look at your website. I mean, you touch so many different industries with your products. Tell me a little bit about that, Chris. Well, actually, I'm going to let Mia tell you that Mia is our product manager, really knows the ins and outs of this. I will tell you it's fascinating and we thoroughly enjoy manufacturing products that are about people safety and are about security. It sounds like a plan to me. Mia, take it away. Tell me about your products. Yeah. So, I mean, life safety and security are our top priorities. We have a trainer, Katie Flower. She likes to call it life curity or safe curity. But you see our products on doors when you walk through them every day. And if they're doing their jobs, you're not thinking about them because it should really be a seamless interaction. But we make things like board locks and mortise locks. And these are kind of the lever or knob 
things that you're using when you're entering classrooms, meeting rooms, hospital rooms, any interior room. They can also be on exterior doors, like your home probably has something like that on it. But then we also do exit devices. And if you think like when you are leaving an event a venue, that bar that goes across the door that you're pushing on to exit, that would be an exit device. But then we also make things like cylinders where you put your key in to unlock your door. You know, those are all of our core products that we've been manufacturing for decades. But then as, you know, technology has come into play, we've added our electronic access products where you have the keypad or the key card where, you know, you can tap a card, like an identification card up against a reader um, to unlock your lock, allow you to come in. It's also added a layer of monitoring to building security. So your facilities managers can see where you are, uh, what doors you're accessing in the building and things like that. So, I mean, it's really like the whole package of what's going on in your building and how you secure and open your doors. It genuinely is absolutely fascinating. I mean, I remember back in the day in England, obviously it was always Yale locks, always Yale locks. They were the locks that you needed on your front door. So it's kind of great to see how it's evolved. And you're right, you know, I've just entered the office building today with an electronic key fob that lets me into the building. So things have really developed. Can you describe to me the customer, I guess, or the end user of the products you make? Do you sell wholesale, I assume, to locksmiths and large organizations? What are their goals and their needs? Yeah, so we do wholesale. We have a full distribution channel, and that is how people buy our products. But our end users would be K through 12 schools, universities, hospitals, office buildings. I mean, it's literally any institutional or commercial building you could think of. So we really have to have specific functionality for any commercial setting. So we have full ranges of products that support each of those. We call them vertical markets, but each of those vertical markets and we, you know, we have a full sales force that helps us to go out and talk to all of those customers and find out what their specific needs are so that we can design packages specifically for them and, you know, make sure that we're providing the solution that they need for their security and safety settings, whether it's fire related or, you know, we have markets that have windstorm like tornadoes, you know, there's pockets of the country and we're seeing it more and more up here in the Northeast, but tornadoes, hurricanes, we have products that meet those needs and it doesn't matter, you know, a tornado or a hurricane don't care what kind of building that you're in, whether it's a school or a commercial setting, but we need to provide solutions for those kind of things as well. That's amazing. And, I, yeah, and I'll add that uh, one of the fascinating things about this business as well is how many different people or roles that we have that we consider customers or people that influence the purchasing decision. So it's architects, it's building owners, it's maintenance departments, it's distributors, it's, uh, it's commercial contractors. All of those are involved in people that uh, we truly treat as, uh, as customers. So come on in, Chris, tell me, was it always the plan to work within manufacturing? How did you end up here being the general manager here in New Haven? Well, I've had a fun career. When I was an engineering student, I was uh, took a co-op work assignment in a manufacturing plant, and I immediately fell in love with it. And it's been my passion ever since. And I've had the pleasure of managing uh, plants around the United States. And I've been in this actually industry before and absolutely loved it. So just always love the challenge of working with people and producing a product that adds value to customers. 
So I am a Brit, unsurprisingly, and most American accents do sound quite similar to me. I've not quite fine-tuned my ear. I haven't been here very long. Where is your accent from, Chris? I've not <laughs> heard it in Connecticut, I was going to say. <laughs> Virginia, beautiful. So, so I grew up in southern Virginia in a, little, in a small town called South Boston. Amazing. Right, Mia, come on then, tell me. Was this always the plan to work within this setting? The lock industry, no, <laughs> but I grew up in Connecticut and at a young age, I knew mechanical engineering was the field that I wanted to study. So I went to school for mechanical engineering. I started working at another manufacturer in Connecticut. So I did that for three years. And then I came here in 2011. I was a product design engineer for Sargent. And then I took over our uh, product testing lab. So I made sure all of our products were certified to the relevant industry standards. Um, I did that for five years. And then for about three and a half years now, I have been in product management. So I have moved around quite a bit in the company and I'm almost 11 years into our company now. Yeah, I was like doing the maths in the back of my head then. That's fantastic. And enjoying working for the company, I assume. Yeah, it's been a great area for growth for me. Uh, my last company, I could have been an engineer there forever, but there wasn't a lot of growth potential for me. And here, as you can see, I started as an engineer, then managed the test lab. Now I'm in product management, which is a lot of sales facing. And I don't know what my next step will be, but I have no worries that I will definitely find another opportunity within the company when I or they are ready for me to take on another role. So it's been quite an adventure. I feel invested in this company. I feel they are invested in me. It's exciting. That's great. That's amazing. It's so nice to hear. Chris, I would say you need to watch out for your job. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to put it out there. She's gumming for you. So thinking about your role as general manager, Chris, you know, it's a big title. What does it look like on the daily? What's your uh, daily roles and responsibilities, if you like? Oh, I champion the great people here at the Sargent Manufacturing Plant. We have a great workforce, very committed to this business. They love Sargent, very proud of the products that we make. And it's really just uh, getting these great people aligned to common goals that, uh, you know, to work safely, service our customers on time to give them great products and do it in an efficient manner. And every day is different. Every day brings new challenges. Our work pace is very fast. Our lead times for custom products is fairly short with an enormous variety of, of materials and components. The days fly by. It's exciting and it keeps us on our toes. It certainly sounds like it. And how many employees do you have currently working under you in New Haven, Chris? Uh, 340. Wowzers. So, Mia, yourself then, what does your average day look like? Now, you did mention before we started recording that you actually manage the company's YouTube channel. That's kind of exciting. So tell me about some of your roles and responsibilities. Well, if you have met any product managers before, you know that we wear many hats. Um, so no day is uh, the same. Um, so one of my main priorities is setting the product strategy. So I've got to check in with our sales team, with customers, things like that, find out product gaps that we have and look at the roadmaps for the planning that we've done to put improvements, product improvements in place, what gaps we have, how they would fit into the planning that we've done. And you know that includes coming up with financial business cases to uh, kind of evaluate the opportunity that is out there for these new products or product improvements that we're gonna make. 
but you know, a product manager is really kind of like the CEO of your product line. And so you kind of are the owner. And so it could be anything. It could be supporting supply chain that day. It could be supporting manufacturing and something that they need supporting the sales team, supporting marketing. It's really, you know, you're the jack of all trades, kind of master of none, but uh, <laughs> yeah, always looking for ways to improve just a lot, like alongside of our manufacturing team. I thrive in chaos. So I'm always looking for uh, ways to step outside my role, which running the YouTube channel, that was a new development this year. So I started last, the end of last year, putting out a weekly LinkedIn series on my own LinkedIn page and then still doing that, but also has evolved into door hardware nerds. Now, I love it. I love it. Is that the name of the YouTube channel? That is. So uh, Chris, Chris can attest to this, but when you join this industry, the indoctrination happens rapidly, but you don't notice it. And then you find yourself looking at all the hardware on every door that you walk through and taking pictures of doors and door hardware while you're on vacations and things like that. Your family often joins in and then, you know, you turn around a year or two from now and you go, what happened to me? What happened to the person I used to be? And so we've now coined it as you're a door hardware nerd and there's nothing wrong. We meet on Wednesdays. Uh <laughs> I love it. You've got me actually looking around the office at the doors already. It is quite, quite addictive, isn't it? I'm yeah, curious. It, <laughs> it, yeah, it's so funny. So, you know, this is like we were talking about the history of our companies. This is a, an old industry. And so we're trying to bring some lightheartedness to it, engage, you know, our customers, our locksmiths, our distribution channels, things like that, not only in a bit of comedy, but also to become, you know, the educator in the industry, right? We want to educate them about little tips and tricks around our products, how to make it easier to interact with our brands, give our brands a personality, give the people, you know, showcase some of the people behind the brands. So get to know us a little bit. We're not just these behemoth brands that have been around for over 150 years. I think that's so cool. It really is such a wonderful way of bringing your products to the masses and I want to become a door hardware nerd. I've got to confess, I, I quite like the idea of it. So talking about nerdy and geeky things, let's talk about equipment and machinery. Tell me more about what equipment and machinery you have in your on your site uh, that you use to make your products. I don't know who's best placed to talk to me about this. Well, I'll start. Uh, we do machine some of the key components to our products. We do some of the finishes, the plating and polishing and of course, we assemble to order and everything we do is a custom product to order. Every order we fill is custom make to order. We manage thousands of orders every day in lots of different varieties. So that's a little bit of a background about what we do here at both of our manufacturing locations. So I bet it's a busy shop floor with those quick lead times and turnarounds. Absolutely. Can you describe the management structure and the employee culture, I guess? What are the values within the business? Uh, so I'll start with the value. So we're very customer centric and us Aboy takes great pride in innovation. So we strive for innovative products and also innovative manufacturing process or business process. We're always looking for innovative ways to produce things faster, better, more cost effectively. That's part of our DNA. In both of our Connecticut manufacturers, we've organized our plants into profit centers. So they're product lines that are made inside each of the factories and we organize them to profit centers and each profit center has a team of buyer planners to acquire the parts, manufacturing engineers to support and innovate the processes. 
and the production supervision, those teams are responsible for filling the orders on time and effectively. They're supported by uh, functions like supply chain leadership, human resources, some other technical services and support. Gotcha. Anything to add to that, Mia? Yeah, on the office side of things, we also have a lot of shared services that are between. So like product management, engineering, business development, even accounting. Those are all kind of shared services between the facilities, even some of our other, we have some other companies in our group that are outside of the Connecticut facilities as well. So, you know, we like to keep as much as we can specific to the operational facility, but then there are some services that are better suited to being shared instead of the redundancy. So we like to capitalize on efficiencies where we can on that side. Absolutely. Tell me about the culture. What's the employee culture like there? You know, I think it's fun. It's um, for me, like I said before, you know, it's a company that's you find people that are really invested in bettering the company. We want to figure out ways to do our jobs better, to make the company better. And then you find that we're rewarded by the company investing back in us. There are many people here that have been here for so long and we find it especially in manufacturing and Chris can talk to that. But even on the office side, we've got some of our, even some of our managers. My manager has been with the company for 40 years this year. So that's definitely worth a gold watch, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. In England, you would get less for murder, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if he's going to retire anytime soon, but you know, it's you, I think with the fact that there's so much opportunity to move around in your career and to try so many different things, you can try a different path. Like, let's say you feel stagnant in your role. There's just so much opportunity to try something new. And, you know, the company knows who you are. They know your brand reputation. They're willing to let you step outside of your comfort zone, try something else. And you're not, you know, penalized because again, it's that two-way investment. You're kind of partnering with the company. So I think, It's a culture like that. It's where you can experiment kind of in safe boundaries, but we're all kind of working to better ourselves. The newest value that we've added is investing in our people. And I think we were doing that long before we added it to one of our official values, but I think it really shows the length, the length that people have been here. Yeah, no, it it does. And one of the things I've noticed doing these podcasts is that manufacturing does have not only a very rich history here in Connecticut, but the longevity of employees, if they're looked after, is incredible. You know, that loyalty is, I've never experienced anything like it in any other industry. Chris, do you have anything to add to the uh, employee culture that you try to create there? Yes. Well, I will just say it, 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 Sergeant, we're proud and it's very clear. It's really family. So the employees, as Mia pointed out, are 10 years. We have a lot of people that have been here uh, quite a long time. They know each other well. It really feels like family and people make you feel like you're at home. And part of the family is you're part of this organization. And I got to say, I work alongside with with one of our uh, a colleague who's been here for 49 years and he works with an inspirational amount of energy and enthusiasm for his work. Wow. 49 years. That is phenomenal. Well, you're definitely doing something right. That's for sure. So question for you, Mia, if I may, thinking about your education and your, the skills that you gathered before you, you took on your role and developed your career through the company, what skills or educational training have turned out to be the most important to you? I think that like the personal growth mindset, you know, and wanting to 
I mean, I refer to myself as kind of a chaos demon, <laughs> but it means that I'm always looking for a way to better something. I'm always looking for, you know, I see a problem. I am willing to pick it up, try to find a team and let's drive it till we find until we find the solution. So we have so many different roles, right? From somebody that assembles all the way to GMs or, you know, the president of our group, that education is not a one size fits all for us. And even, you know, even myself, I came in with a bachelor's degree, but I've pursued an MBA while I've been here. So it can't, you know, it's not, that's not a one size fits all, but it's a desire for personal development, I think, and not being scared to look at a challenge, and what do I need to learn? You know, I've started training programs, Lean Six Sigma training since I've been here. And that's an ongoing program that we have now. That's one of the skills I think is the biggest thing that we look for, that I personally look for. What's their desire to better their role, the company and things like that when I am hiring somebody. And also, of course, recruiting fellow nerds to the YouTube <laughs> channel. I mean, that goes without saying. Well, we can easily turn somebody into a nerd. I'm <laughs> that I'm not worried about. I want a t-shirt. I don't know about that. I think we need to get branded t-shirts. Uh, Chris, a question for you. When a resume hits your desk, what do you first look for? What stands out to you as the general manager of a large organization? What are you looking for? What key attributes are you looking for in your next recruit? Accomplishments is probably the easiest answer. The the evidence that uh, people have uh, have gotten things done where they've worked, they've uh, everybody's faced with uh, their own situation and challenges, and people that have thrived in the in that environment and made a difference and make an impact and gotten things done and accomplished and score points, if you will. Yeah, that does make sense. So thinking about your local community relations, you've been here a very, very long time. Tell me about some of the involvement you've had with local community relations or maybe local projects. Well, manufacturing CT has been a great for me to get involved, help support other manufacturers, interact, network. And you mentioned this, but manufacturing is special in Connecticut or, or vice versa. There's a lot of people in Connecticut that truly have a passion for manufacturing, and I enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, they certainly do. Not only is it just the rich history, but it's the development and being at the forefront of cutting edge technology. And Manufacture CT is going some way as an organization to bring together as many businesses as possible and to share that sort of wealth of knowledge amongst ourselves, which is kind of cool. So the pandemic, it's hopefully coming to an end if there is such a thing. But how did it affect your business? Were there any issues with supply chain or have you seen a resurgence in, in I guess, a Buy American products? Well, I'll first say this, the, the pandemic was certainly a challenge. Our company and my team, we really tackled it like a, a real challenge because we had customers that needed to be served. There were hospitals around the country that needed to quick conversions, often to change offices into operating rooms and that required new hardware. So we needed to figure out how to serve those businesses and serve our industry. And at the same time, what was more critical than anything was to keep our employees safe and uh, to make sure that there was nothing we were doing that was going to challenge their safety, health or well-being. So we were very strict. We took very high standards to make sure that we could. We kept the virus from spreading within our manufacturing facilities and took great care. Um, so that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. And, mm. and we're pretty proud about how successful we were through the pandemic to keep our operation going, to prevent any disease spread, and to make sure that people remain safe. The supply chain has certainly been challenged. It's, it's challenged everybody across the, you know, all, all manufacturing industries. 
uh, and we have not, uh, you know, it's faced us, it's hit us as well. We find ourselves, never thought I would see this, but we have teams, our teams of uh, uh, some of our people, we're solving many times our suppliers' problems. So it's not just getting parts from our suppliers, it's helping them solve problems with uh, some of the components, steel, brass, bronze materials that they need to ensure that we can keep a steady source of supply for the critical components we need. Wow, yeah, I hadn't thought of, you know, the adaption within hospital setting, of course, that must have been rewarding to to be a part of a a bit of a solution to, you know, to actually do something positive rather than sort of just hunkering down. That's kind of cool. I like that. Other than coronavirus, are you tackling any new or exciting opportunities or challenges just at the moment within the business? Always. (laughs) There's a number of uh, challenges, I would say. Mia's leading uh, efforts for us to bring exciting new products to the market. And we're really excited about that. She kind of referenced the transformation our industry as we move in more to electronic locks. And that is uh, that brings on uh, constant change, but exciting new products and applications as well, as we see software becoming a bigger component of this industry. So that makes our world exciting. Very much so, especially Mia's. Mia, tell me about your most exciting new project you're working on that involves technology. Well, you know, there's a lot of different projects we've got going on right now. So not always directly related to technology, but, you know, redesigning some of our products because we can see the future of technology. We're going to need to make some space for that. So we've got some projects where we're kind of, we're not sure where the technology is going to take us, but we're kind of designing space into the products so that we can fit control boards and things like that uh, in the future into our products because we know something's going to come. We just don't know what it is yet. So things like that, but also we're trying to look at ways that we can redesign our products to kind of gain manufacturing efficiencies. You know, is there a sub-assembly we can commonize between our New Haven and Berlin facility brands, things like that. So where can we not redouble our efforts Where can we fit stuff, more control boards in, more technology, more readers, things like that. But then, you know, there's a lot of new trends that have popped up, even with the pandemic, as well as some other things. So we're kind of doing some trend forecasting and trying to plan that into our product planning. So it's been kind of quite a whirlwind of a year for us, but also they've had all of the office staff at home so that we are less touch points for the manufacturing team to keep them safer. But it's given us some time to do some deep digging into our strategies and some other stuff. So it's actually been the most productive year on our end to get into some of the, you know, the really deep thinking work that we need to be doing. So it's it's been quite a, a time. Very much so. What product do you make are you most proud of from a geeky nerdy kind of a viewpoint you know i'm thinking james bond right i'm thinking retina scans i'm thinking fingerprints dna i mean i've just seen james bond sorry about that i've gone a bit cue on you there but is there any particular product that really stands out for you and you're like yeah man this is amazing this is absolutely class leading Uh, You know, for me, uh, I have two young kids that aren't quite in school yet, but for me, I'm the most proud of everything we make for K through 12 schools because I think our kids protecting them is the most important thing we can be doing because they're our future. And so we've got to get them to adulthood because they've got to fix all the mistakes we've made. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Yeah. So anytime we come up with something that's going to 
feed the K-12 market and really keep the kids safer or any improvement we make for that market. That's the most important thing. You know, I'm not, and I'm on the mechanical side. I'm not on the, the electronic access control side. They make all the flashy stuff. My job is to make sure all of our products have the strength and quality. I'm not the flashy side of the business, but yeah, safety, safety, especially for the kids. That's my number one. And so my job is to make sure our car products are really the most highest standard quality that we can do. Gotcha. Gotcha. I want to talk. And I will offer. Yep. Yes. And I will offer this as well. As far as the pandemic goes, it's uh, provided us the opportunity to market, uh, touch-free devices. So we have a lot of touch-free devices and as well as antimicrobial uh, finishes that we put on our products and including copper that does a great job of reducing the chance of virus or germ spread across hardware, anything that does need to be touched. Absolutely. We've got these cool door openers here in the office, actually. It's quite a cool office we're in. And it's got one of those foot pegs where you flip the foot peg down and you open the door somewhat like a bull dragging their foot back. That's kind of cool, not having to touch the toilet door. Quite like that. Anyway, moving on. So on a more personal level, let's dive deeper here then, Chris. What three people or figures have had the most impact on your life or your career? (laughs) Interesting. So I have to go first to my father, who was uh, just an incredible role model, both inspirational for the strong work ethic and how uh, his demonstration of uh, both leadership and how much he cared for other people. That's one. I have a grandfather who was uh, a minister and then also served people. And it was also inspirational for me as I grew up. And probably the third might be some of the manufacturing leaders that I experienced early in my career and how I looked up to to the leadership that they provided uh, for so many people. Mm, And shaping your career. Absolutely. Mia, what about yourself? What three people or figures in history have had the most impact on your life? So I would say my parents, neither of them went to college and they were like adamant, adamant. You are going to college. They scraped and saved for me to go. Still took out a sizable student loan to do it, but managed to get me through it. So they wanted to give me all the opportunities (laughs) that they could. My grandpa, he... He's not a tinkerer anymore, but I spent a lot of time as a young child in his wood shop. We just built all sorts of random things. And I think that's where my engineering love came from. And then I would say the most effect on my career would actually be Martin Huttert, who was our past AEHG president. He actually, one day I like popped into his office to ask him a question and he was like, what do you want to do? Like, what's your next step? What do you want it to be? And I said, oh, I don't know. I didn't haven't really thought about that. And he took the time. He sat me down. He set up meetings with all of his direct reports so that I could explore all the different areas in our company. And he is the one that helped me kind of get into my product management role. I guess he saw uh, he saw something in me that I wasn't seeing and you know, he wanted to help me get there. So I really owe a lot of my success here to him. Wow, he saw the potential. Dare yeah. I say it, he opened doors? He boom, did. Boom. <laughs> See, you're a nerd just like the rest of us. Welcome. <laughs> oh, gosh. I am the pun queen. So <laughs> when you're not working, what do you like to do to relax? TV, sports, Mia, anything? Well, I have two Children. toddlers. Yep. <laughs> uh, so there's no relaxing. I'm actually, right now, I'm in my closet uh, so that you don't hear them because they are running around. Um, so sleeping, sleeping, if I have extra time, which is never sleeping is my preferred method of relaxation. 
I've got to be honest, I have a six-month-old little boy and um, I feel you. For me, it's a yep. hot shower and sleep. That That's yep. like the biggest luxury in life is to have clean hair. I've, I've... Yeah. <laughs> I have my friends, you know, I have friends with, you know, they're out of this toddler stage and they're like, oh, I'm reading this book. Do you have any book recommendations? And I'm like, reading a book? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> when? How? Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Chris, what about yourself? What do you like to do to unwind and relax when you're not working? Family time is special for me. My kids are grown, but the time I get to spend with them is precious. But it has given, afforded me some opportunities to, to reach out and explore other things now that I've passed me as phase. And I recently uh, built a hot rod. It was, uh, it was a lifelong dream, and I was able cool. to take it, able to do that. And that's something that I thoroughly enjoyed. I do like working with my hands. I've always loved cars and engines, and yes. so that was a fun project. That's awesome. Chris, I want to see a picture. I want to see a photograph mm-hmm. of your hot rod. Um, that sounded odd. Uh, so what are some of the biggest successes or things that you are most proud of? Start with you, Chris. With man manufacturing, I've had the great opportunity to manage uh, many plants. And I think of all the accomplishments, it's been the safety improvements that I'm most proud of. It, just to make sure that people get to continue to work to help advance a, a company, but also do it in a way that uh, reduces the chance of injury so that people can live lives that they, they want to live outside of work in the way they want to live them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a great point. One of the things that we often talk about on this podcast is, you know, what myth do you wish to debunk about the profession of manufacturing? And and one that often comes up is this old fashioned image of manufacturing plants. And it seems to hark back to some kind of Mary Poppins era of Victorian workhouses and and the danger and, and the soot. Um, it's not real, you know, it's not realistic. The cutting edge technology and safety protocols that are in place, particularly obviously here in Connecticut are phenomenal. So that's a really, that's a great answer. Mia, what about yourself? What are some of your biggest successes that you are most proud of other than showering and uh, reading a book? (laughs) You know, I think it's being able to find ways to better help the company, right? So as the manager of the test lab, I started with managing just the New Haven lab. Then I took over the Berlin lab. Then I took over our Guadalajara, Mexico lab, got them all certified to do independent testing, starting our Lean Six Sigma training program to get, you know, green belt certified within our factory, which means for them to get certified, they have to do a project that saves quantifiable savings of $25,000 each. So I'm always looking for ways that we can do better as a team, right? That a rising tide raises all ships, right? So it's kind of that way. I'm always trying to think of new ways or trying to find a better process. You know, when I came into product management, we were doing our product planning in PowerPoint and it was very tedious. So I immediately set off on finding a <laughs> software that would do it for our team. Yeah, I, cause I was like, nope, no way am I moving all this stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, every year, like, let me drag 8,000 things. Welcome forward. to 1990. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, you know, how can I improve the ways that we work? Because if I can make an improvement on that, we can do that task faster with less pain, with less headaches. It, it makes your job less painful you are then slightly happier with what you're doing and you can get onto your next task quicker so that you're not spending hours doing this one thing. That's not a value added thing. Let's get to the value added stuff. The things that can't be automated, the things that really require your personal touch to do. So 
you know, it's, it's kind of trying to look at the problems that people are having and solve them. I think our Lean Six Sigma program, we've saved a couple hundred thousand dollars from that specifically. And I think we're starting our third, we, our third class might have just gone through. We're looking to start our fourth class. So, you know, kind of trying to just create these ongoing improvement, uh, you know, and it also not as, that's not just for the company, right? Anybody can put that on their resume now and they've, they've built their own skill and they've improved themselves and they can take that somewhere else. We hope they stay. We want them to stay, but they can take that with them um, if they choose to leave. So things like that. Very cool. Very cool. Chris, a question for you, if I may. Any predictions then for the future of manufacturing and about doing business in the state of Connecticut? That's a good question. I think the future is, is going to be about speed. Uh, the, the appetite to get materials when people want them and to be able to, be, to do that well, I think is our challenge is to can you get faster and faster and faster. So I see that as the immediate, you know, the challenge that we see. We've always said as we take waste out of processes, they get faster. So we, we know what tools that we need to do to make that happen. And then furthermore, I think one of the obvious choices that we've embraced here is automation, is to continue to find the ways to automate uh, tasks that can be uh, more repeatedly and better done so that we can use the minds of our employees, not just the hands. Yeah, absolutely. What about yourself, Mia? Anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think aside from that, you know, the technology that's going in our products is going to change, is is changing uh, so much faster than it was. So not only speed wins, absolutely, because it's not just that our customer, you know, needs are growing. It's that the technology is changing so quickly, the technology within the products. Absolutely. Last couple of questions, then, if you don't mind. Mia, question for you. What do you imagine the next phase of your career is going to look like? Obviously, I think you're going to get Chris's office, but I'll let you answer the question. Are there any areas of growth or opportunities that you're really preparing for at the moment? You know, I have always thought of myself as an opportunist. So I like to see, I just like to look at what's going on. But I, you know, having just launched the YouTube channel this summer, you know, I'd like to see where that goes. So I think I'll be in this role for a while. Um, I think next I would like to potentially work in operational excellence. So that means Chris's job would be safe, but I would be working alongside of him to make sure, you know, we, <laughs> that our operations processes are, you know, at the highest standard that they can be. Because lean manufacturing has always been a passion of mine, but has not been an area that I've fully ventured into in this company. So that is an area I am interested in, but I would be interested to just see kind of what comes up within the next three to five years within the company. I'm not set in stone as to where my next role would be. I am. Watch out, Chris. She's coming. Uh, Chris, question for you. same question for you, if I may, then. So uh, what's next and, and what areas of growth or opportunities are you preparing for at the moment? Well, I probably I look at it this way. I love I love this company. I love its leadership. I love the values. The people are great. I've had some really great opportunities in just the five years that I've, I've been here. So I look forward to whatever this company needs. As long as I can make a contribution and feel like I'm adding value, that I find that very satisfying. So I'm looking for new opportunities. It may go many different directions, but I know that they will come and I know that there'll be lots of interesting ways in the future that I'll be able to uh, contribute and help the company you know, continue to grow. There's a lovely feeling of teamwork about your company, of pulling together for the greater good. I really admire and like that. That speaks volumes for me about your leadership. 
So if people want to carry on this conversation, find out more about you, the company, the nerd channel, how can they reach out to you? How can they find out more? Website, social media, LinkedIn. What's the best way of getting in touch, Chris? Well, it's asaabloy.com is where you can learn lots about Asaabloy and our company across the globe and the many great things and our brands. And you can find the Sargent brand as well as the Corbin Russ brand that are located right here in Connecticut. But Mia can share about how you can become a door hardware nerd. I want, we need t-shirts, Mia. I, I feel like I'm joining the gang. I want a t-shirt. Tell me about the YouTube channel. Yeah, so you can just search on YouTube Door Harbor Nerds and you'll find our channel. We've got four regular recurring shows. They air on Wednesdays. So we've got market trend interviews. We've got a code corner. So if you're interested in our building codes and you have questions around that code corner with Katie, we'll answer questions like that. We have door disclosures, which is a confessional type interview. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, love it. Just to get to know people uh, within our company. And then we have unhinged with the door dork. So he is another social media personality within our company. <laughs> Mia, you've missed your calling. I don't know about engineering and <laughs> mechanical engineering. You should have been in marketing. Yeah. Well, product management's a little bit of marketing. I but suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And it's uh, so unhinged is where we knock and slam on door installations gone wrong. So if you've ever seen something really wrong on a door, we put up a couple of pictures and we kind of rag on them and we have a little bit of fun on that. So, and then we do, you know, product unboxings when we have a new product launch and things like that, installations. And we've got some new things in the works in, for the winter, spring that will probably be coming out as well. So we're just in some planning stages for some new content to come out as well. So yeah, Door Hardware Nerds on YouTube. Um, also, you can search on uh, LinkedIn. So if you search for Asa Aboy on LinkedIn and connect with any of our brand pages, the job postings do get linked to all those brand pages. And if you search for Mia Merrill on LinkedIn, I do post when our new Door Hardware Nerds videos go live on there. So you can find them on there as well. Amazing. Guys, Chris, Mia, thank you so much for your time today. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you guys a little bit more and also about your incredible company. Uh, don't forget to do check out their website. Thank you for your time. Thanks for being a part of Meet the Manufacturers for Manufacture CT. I think we should definitely recap this and do uh, another podcast in a year's time and find out about your world domination of door hardware. <laughs> Thanks for your time, guys. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organization, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, advisory, assurance, tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify.